This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Avengers, Age of Ultron. It's garbage, folks. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Look at that. That is a werewolf. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome back. So Denny Geek presents Marvel Standom. I told you that we would be weekly again. You didn't believe me? You thought that was just a threat and not a promise? No, no, no. In case you forgot, I am still your host, Mike Cicchini, sadly enough. And with me for all time and always, please welcome back Denny Geek TV editor Alec Bajalin, Denny Geek news and features editor Kirsten Howard, and our brilliant pop culture writer and frequent luckily for us denigate contributor mr joe george last week we looked back at the entirety of the mcu and phase four this week well we're looking forward and that means we can't be too judgmental and that means that i can't be too cranky about stuff that i didn't like and that means that you know we never have to talk about moon Knight again it's great kirsty why don't you start breaking this down for us Okay, well, first we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on February 17th, and that will kick off Phase 5. All the main characters from the first two films will return, but we're hearing that this is not being handled as a third film in the trilogy. Uh, critics who have already seen the movie say it has more Star Wars vibes than MCU vibes, uh, with Jonathan Majors the standout as villain Kang, a variant of whom we've already met in the Disney Plus show Loki. Uh, Peyton Reed directs again from a script by Rick and Morty writer Jeff Loveness. Uh, none of us have seen it. Just full disclosure. While no, some no. members of the press have indeed seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we have not yet. Uh, Alec, Joe, and myself, I believe, are all seeing it this coming Monday. And make sure you tune in next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, for our spoiler-free Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania discussion. Where, where do we stand on the Ant-Man franchise as a whole? And what is your excitement level or lack of for this movie? Well, I think what uh, Kirsty said about what the reviews report, reported are pretty telling in that this isn't the third part in an Ant-Man trilogy because just from the trailers alone, the tone is so wildly different um, from kind of a light, breezy, and I don't want to say inconsequential, but like, you know, less of monumental importance than most Marvel movies, uh, the other two Ant-Man movies. I really, I honestly don't know what to expect. The the, the Star Wars comparisons that Kirsty also mentioned have really beguiled me. Like I can't, I guess in a sense, like all movies kind of resemble Star Wars because Star Wars is based on some really old tropes um, that go back to like the dawn of human consciousness. <laughs> So I guess in that sense, I can wrap my head around it, but I really don't know what people are referring to when they say Star Wars for this. I'm not sure I've ever known what to expect from an MCU movie less. I'm excited, though. 
Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I, I like both of the previous Ant-Man movies, but I like them for exactly the reasons that Alec just pointed out. They're such low stakes, almost, I mean, I know they're heist movies, but they're, they almost feel more like hangout movies. You know, the, the best parts of those movies are when Michael Pena shows up and recounts the plot in that, in that hilarious way. So I don't see how they're, how this set of characters is well suited for, you know, this giant phase kickoff, you know, is going to set the blocks from the next MCU. I just, I don't see, know how they're going to handle that. And I don't mean that necessarily as a criticism, uh, just Alec put it perfectly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to expect from this next one. I, I hope it's great. Love Jonathan Majors and everything else I've seen him in. So I'm excited. Love Kang. Uh, I'm ho- hoping the best and fearing the worst. I don't feel any particular kind of way about the, the Ant-Man movies in general like i think they're both fine like i couldn't tell you anything that happened in the last one to be honest like i think they're fine uh they're funny like paul rudd is great um the costumes are awesome like i love there's kind of like a almost like a toku vibe to the costumes which i really dig you know um but this one despite the kind of mixed early reactions that we saw online when that embargo lifted earlier this week, there is something intriguing me about this. Maybe it's the Fantastic Four vibes of it. Uh, Certainly it is Kang, who is such a headachey, hot mess of a villain that I can't wait to see how they do him on screen. And as this picture shows, he sure looks cool. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm actually weirdly looking forward to this movie in a way that I wasn't expecting and in a way that I haven't looked forward to an MCU movie in a while. You know, like, of course, I was looking forward to Wakanda Forever, but like, I knew Wakanda Forever was going to be good, you know, whereas with this one, I don't know what to expect. There is just such a curiosity factor about Kang. I'm pretty hyped. Like, I'm pretty hyped to hit this screening on Monday. Yeah, I mean, I actually really love the Ant-Man movies, but for the reasons we've talked about, they are low stakes. They're sort of ground level. Um, They're fun, family-friendly capers. This seems very heavy. I will be interested to see how it turns out. These mixed reviews have lowered my expectations, I would say. So that can only be a good thing. I did hear that it is, uh, someone say, it's like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, except better. And I was like, I don't even know how to pass that, like, on a personal level. (laughs) How is that possible that we get better? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see next week, right? I'm not going into this, like, looking for, like, crazy cameos and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, and I guess there's some, I don't know. Like, I'm sure that's part of it. Like, this is the official, like, proper kickoff of the multiverse saga, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to see the 20th Century Fox Fantastic Four characters ever again. You know what I mean? Like, like but I'm very curious about just how are they going to get people to wrap their head around Kang? And I will say to everybody watching and listening to this right now, if you want to get like a real just kind of solid lesson in Kang the Conqueror, there is an awesome recent miniseries that Marvel put out and it's on Marvel Unlimited. It's all one like thin volume on uh, like in trade paperback and just called Kang the Conqueror. 
And it's by uh, the writing team of Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, who are brilliant and are doing amazing work on the Captain America books right now, by the way, too. And an artist named Charles Magno. And it's so good. And like, I have been reading comics my entire life. And I have like, Kang still gives me a migraine. And that comic was the first time that Kang has kind of made sense to me. And that was on Kirsty's recommendation. So check it out. Might be something worth reading before or after you see Quantum Mania. I say at the end of the day, you know, if Quantum Mania only gives us another Jonathan Majors monologue, that might be enough because... His performance in the finale of Loki really is one of the highlights of Phase 4. So, Did you see the red carpet interview he gave with somebody the other day at the premiere where they asked about what the inspiration for Kang's voice was? Well, and it got me so excited for Kang and also just Jonathan Major's continued career. He said he tried to model Kang's accent as though he was somebody who could speak every known language fluently. Like, what would that dialect sound like? Like, this guy's, he's such a good actor. (laughs) I love this guy. Shall we move on to the next big project? Secret Invasion, is it? Uh, Mr. Robot Vet Carl Bradstreet has created this TV event uh, based on the diabolically bad Brian Michael Bendis Marvel comic series. Uh, Indeed, the only way is up here. Uh, Sam Jackson returns as Nick Fury to deal with a rogue faction of Skrulls. Uh, expect a darker tone in this one and some big twists as we discover certain MCU characters have been replaced with skulls, scrolls on it. Uh, release date, TBA, but probably spring. By the way, it's true. This is a bad comic. And look, <laughs> the, the MCU made Civil War, which is absolute ass, into a terrific movie. So I have faith that this show is going to be solid. And I have heard through the grapevine that it's really good. Like I've been like, I've heard comparisons to like HBO shows, basically that this is a very dark proper thriller, um, you know, kind of done with, with an eye on this being like, again, HBO was the word that somebody used when describing it to me. And to me, I'm like, are we getting Marvel's Andor here? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like that's what I'm hoping for. So let's see, but yes, I would tell you folks to read the comics, but don't bother. Let's go in fresh on this. Yeah, going to second that. The the Secret Invasion comics are terrible. Though I do need to point out that also Marvel made an amazing movie on a terrible uh, miniseries. And that one is, of course, Age of Ultron. Masterpiece. (laughs) Garbage. Um, (laughs) I need to correct the opening. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Mike. This is one that I'm kind of most excited about, at least in the the stuff that's really coming up soon. I, I Samuel Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn. I mean, Ben Mendelsohn's great and everything, and I really love his take on uh, his sort of displaced scroll. I hope it can pick up a lot of the ideas that Captain Marvel had. That I, I think it has some rich ideas, even if the movie didn't quite play with them all. And just the the the, the first couple of visuals that we've seen um, make it look very tense, very moody. I love the lighting. It actually feels like it's got a proper visual look that's not. Uh, goopy mess, unlike the previous movie that we just talked about. So I, I've got really high hopes for this. Yeah, Elizabeth, Olivia Coleman, just such a great cast, and they can go anywhere <laughs> with this off of the uh, source material and will improve it. So I hope it's good. I having a fun time looking at the pictures of the cast when you were talking, Joe. <laughs> like, this is like a really good cast. Um, I'm all really delighted to hear that HBO was invoked in this, Mike. I mean, 
because I truly have no idea what to expect of this, other than the fact that I know the cast is good. I know the showrunner's good. I do feel like Marvel is probably getting closer to getting its own Andor on the air, if only because, like, at a certain point, some, some of the bean counters are going to lose track of these things, like, because they're <laughs> making so many shows and movies now that at a certain point, something like uncomfortable and real might actually sneak through and make it onto air. Um, so maybe that's Secret Invasion. I don't know. I'm excited to check it out, even though I know next to nothing about it, other than the fact that Brian Michael Bendis apparently sucks. <laughs> Oh, he doesn't like he's like he's a great, great, great comics writer. But like there were points in his run as Avengers writer and as kind of steward of the that corner of the Marvel Comics line that just didn't that just didn't hold together. You know what I mean? Like like you like I am determined to get you reading like lots of comics at some point. And I think there is a lot of Bendis stuff that would be just like perfect perfect entry points um but i wasn't a big fan of his avengers run in general uh and and secret invasion was kind of the point in it where i was like oh man like <laughs> to be fair to him it's really hard to pull off like a crossover event series like there aren't yes. many good ones that you can think of really but you can probably think of like 10 bad ones immediately <laughs> Shall we move on to the next confirmed project for this year? Yes, James Gunn wraps up his Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy for Marvel on May 5th. Uh, we can expect this to be the last time we see most of the Guardians in the MCU, I would think. Um, in this one, the team are living a pretty sl- sweet life in nowhere, as we saw in the ho- holiday special, um, until something from Rocket's past un- upends everything. Um, and it looks like a dangerous mission for the Guardians awaits. If we think that Kang is a weird character, I mean, Adam Warlock is a weird character as well. And especially where they're going with this. Uh, it, it looks like they're going to really focus on his time on Counter-Earth with the High Evolutionary, which uh, the, the little bits that we've seen of High Evolutionary, especially, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the actor's name. He, he was in Peacemaker as well. You know, he went to the last Comic-Con in character, and it was an utter delight to see him, you know, lord over everybody who's speaking to him. And the comics that it seems to be that they're adapting here, are all these that take place on Counter-Earth, which is this Dr. Moreau's style, not a multiverse other Earth. It's another Earth that runs on the opposite side of Earth's orbit that's full of animal-human hybrids. And if that's not crazy enough, the Adam Warlock stories that take place on this planet are directly adapting Jesus Christ Superstar. And so um, what Gunn is going to do with these characters, I am, I'm i am sure there's going to be daddy issues. I can see you thinking it already, <laughs> Kirsten. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm so excited. I think it's going to be great. I think it's a perfect... Uh, launch off and I think it's going to have so much more craziness than people are expecting there are going to be daddy issues <laughs> everyone's going to argue over who's more stupid and maybe an alien will go in somebody's mouth <laughs> those are my predictions because this is a James Gunn movie I hope no, all my those ex- happen before <laughs> the opening credits it would be great <laughs> <laughs> My expectations are pretty low for this one, so I'm sure I will cry all the way through it, though. I refuse to speculate on this movie because, as Joe just laid out, it is bonkers. Like it, like this is this is this is really 
getting into some weird territory. So I'm just going to tell you my wish list for this movie. One, Rocket better not die because then I will just be an inconsolable wreck. Two, it is time for a Roxy Music song to make it onto the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Like, come on. Like, like I need it. Like, I need, I need Roxy Music. Like, it has to happen. And three, I need the Adam Warlock story to be as suitably weird as the source material, but not so weird that this character can't become like a pillar of MCU storytelling elsewhere. But I'm not sure what the rules are. Like, it feels like there's some gun rules in place where the characters are in, in these movies are his characters. And, you know, if they appear somewhere else, they're like guest stars. But, like, their stories begin and end in this trilogy. And I wonder if that applies to Adam Warlock. But I'm hyped. Both of these movies are great. This movie looks cool. It actually, the, the effects in that trailer looked Terrific. It's colorful. We know the soundtrack's going to kick ass. Bring it on. Uh, Joe, everything you described sounds so cool. It's like, if, if I weren't on Marvel Standom, I would have to watch Marvel Standom just so I could learn those little tidbits about <laughs> the second Earth and Jesus Christ Superstar. That was awesome. Yeah, nothing to add. I'm really excited. Uh, it's, it is kind of a bummer that uh, we're losing James Gunn to DC after this. Um, as a fierce Marvel partisan myself, uh, but I will say that one of the few DC movies I have watched since my Marvel career started was the, Su the Suicide Squad, which is so good. James Gunn's just so good at the beginnings of things. Like anytime he starts something new, it always feels so fresh and fun. I'm curious to see if he is as good at the endings of things uh, with Guardians 3. Uh, we shall see, though. Wish him all the best. When you're talking about... Um... You know, these are Gunn's characters and maybe he has some control over whether they die or uh, they get used again. I could imagine Frank Miller doing a mirthless chuckle somewhere. Just <laughs> <laughs> What do we got next? Oh, I wasn't ready. Sorry. Um, That's all right. Okay. Neither was I. <laughs> Uh, Better Call Saul writer Marion Dare is handling the Alacra Cox-led Echo spin-off series for Disney+, Plus, uh, which is currently without a release date. Uh, we haven't heard much about this one recently, which is a little bit worrying. Um, we last saw Echo supposedly kill Kingpin at the end of Hawkeye, but uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is back in this show, uh, joined by Carly, Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Um, it's said that following the events of Hawkeye, Maya Lopez will return to her hometown in Oklahoma and have to do have to come to terms with her past. Genuinely do not know if we're actually going to get this one this year. Um, <laughs> yes. But hyped. What can I say? Like anything that follows on from the events of Hawkeye, like bridging the gap between Hawkeye and Daredevil Born Again. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm here for it, especially if it has you know, a grounded action movie vibe the way Hawkeye did. I have, I have no expectations. I really have only read a handful of comics with Echo in them. You know, his character was introduced during Bendis' Daredevil run, uh, then was brought over. Well, I'm sorry, that's not entirely accurate, but I'm not going to get into why. Uh, then was brought over uh, during his tenure as Avengers writer. Um, this character that could have a real future in the MCU, but like, it's so different on screen already that cool. 
I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, she was also in Bendis's Moon Knight comics, Mike, and they got sexy. Is that something you'd like to see on screen? <laughs> no. <laughs> but we agreed we weren't going to say the MK word. This, uh... I agreed to nothing, sir. <laughs> yeah, I've not read a whole lot of Echo stuff either. Um, and and I think most recently she's got the Phoenix Force uh, in, in comics. So uh, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> Hey, I like the Jason Aaron Avengers run. It was crazy. Uh, I, I don't really know what to expect from this, so I'm kind of totally on board with you, Mike, what you're saying. I, I More Hawkeye stuff is good. I liked the bits that we saw of of, um, of uh, Milo Lopez in, in Hawkeye, uh, I, more street-level stuff. You know, anything that kind of harkens back to the Netflix uh, MCU shows, at least the good things about the Netflix MCU shows, specifically the fight scenes, I want more of that. Um, so I'm hoping for that. Stick her in a hallway and let her beat up somebody in a gnarly way. That would be rad. That's my hope for this. I'm not particularly hyped for this one. Um, and part of me feels like the MCU may have overcorrected a bit because one of our complaints used to be that there wasn't enough street level stuff. Everything was of like world ending importance. Uh, but they've really filled out kind of their the world is not ending roster on Disney Plus already. And like some like Disney Plus, a, a short Disney Plus streaming service is theoretically a great spot for something more experimental like this. But I don't know. I, I just like I can't really bring myself to get too, too excited about a series starring a character who was like the sixth most interesting character on Hawkeye. <laughs> I mean, and, like, you know, the actress is great. The Marvel comic catalog is so vast that I don't really think we need to be cannibalizing uh, their own shows already. And I'll, I'll feel that way again when we get to Agatha later. Darcy, are we moving on? You can do. Uh, Loki season two. Little is known about the return of Loki to Disney Plus, but this is still the only live action series with a second season on the block. Uh, the main cast will be back, uh, including, of course, Tommy Hiddles and Owie Wilson. Uh, Eugene Cordero's Casey's been up to series regular, and Kiko Kwan will be a new addition as a TVA archivist. Uh, we'll likely see Loki dealing with a lot of multiversal fallout. And a recent Disney Plus trailer hints that the God of Mischief will be digging deeper into the myth of the Timekeepers. Uh, no release date yet, but definitely this year. I haven't looked it up. Who's who are directing the, the these episodes? It's uh, I think it's mostly Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. Oh, really? What did they recently do in, in Marvel? Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, was it not Moon Knight, Joe? It was Moon Knight. Oh. Moon Knight. It was Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Correct. Uh, okay. Yes. With the K. Okay. Moon Knight, yes. Okay, very good. Well, I'm extremely excited based off of that information. <laughs> oh, you're not. I know you're not. Like, I know you're not. <laughs> no, Benson and Moorhead's movies are great. I like all yes, of their are. movies. I haven't seen their most recent one, but all the rest of their films are excellent. And and I thought their direction of those couple of, they only did a couple of them, but those couple of Moon Knight episodes were well-directed uh, at least. So I, I am halfway serious. And do you think Loki just kind of naturally suits their tone and subject, like preferred subject matter very well? Yeah, and the trailer looks exciting. I mean, it looks like they're going to get 
more fun Kang stuff, probably probably some Amortis in there because that kind of makes more sense for what they're doing there. Not to, you don't know what that means. Don't worry about it. You will eventually, <laughs> uh, but that looks fun. Um, you know, I was kind of down on, not down, but I wasn't as up on the first season as most people were. I think a fresh start, at least from my perspective, or at least knowing a little bit more what it is when I go into it. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic on it uh, for the next one. I just, I hope it continues focusing on Loki and Loki's character. I hope it does a better job of <laughs> hitting those, earning those character beats uh, uh, that it, it tried to do in the first season. And I really hope it does not become, you know, look at, look at setting up all this other Marvel stuff, which is kind of what the trailer feels like. First season, good. Look forward second season. Especially now that they've gotten a lot of the format you know, an explanation stuff out of the way. This is a show that is absolutely perfect to be formatted like a TV show, you know? Say it, say the P, say, say, say the P word. You know what? But I'm down and I'll say it again. We, like, I think a Loki procedural, yes, check. And we're going to, we're going to say the P <laughs> word again. I'm with you, Alec. I'm on team Alec now. <laughs> okay. The Marvels. Next in phase five, uh, following the events of Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, and Rob Monica Rambeau begin swapping places with each other every time uh, every time they use their powers. Sorry, I'm just reading this because this is the official synopsis that I got this from. I was like, okay, so every time they use their powers, they swap places. I'm just processing that in real time. Um, I must team up to figure out uh, why this is happening. Uh, this is a Nia DaCosta joint, a uh, big summer MCU movie, and it comes out on July 28th. Uh, the main mysterious villain here is being paid by Tom Hiddleston's fiance, Zowie Ashton. Um, more importantly, Goose will be back. Star of irritating Marvel snap decks everywhere. <laughs> Goose, a cornerstone of decks that keep you from doing what you want to do, <laughs> will be starring in this movie. I am super hyped for this movie, believe it or not. And I'm not the biggest fan of the first one. I thought the first one was kind of a missed opportunity, but I want to see a corner of cosmic Marvel, you know, that is not being directed by James Gunn. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a whole nother area to explore here. I want to see more Kree stuff. If they're going to low key start seeding a Kree scroll conflict down the road, like I'd be all for that. And just, the concept is great. Having Ms. Marvel back after how delightful she was in her own show. Can't wait for this. Genuinely cannot wait for this. Late, Ju late July release date just makes it feel like this could have just like that kind of proper midsummer blockbuster feel to it. I'm basing this on absolutely nothing. For, for as much uh, crap that Captain Marvel uh, catches didn't the first one make a billion dollars well yes <laughs> bonkers um i'm excited for this one too i actually kind of like the first captain marvel movie um and i'm just like a huge fan of that character having not read any of the comics obviously i just find brie larson really appealing um and i really enjoy I, i've said this before and i'll just keep hammering the <laughs> the point home uh to death but like Captain Marvel's like action figure powers are so cool. I, I'm just so yes. taken by just like the awesome pa power she produced. It's, mm -hmm. it's very cool to see on screen. Um, 
and I think like you know Aman Vellani is probably the best thing that Marvel that Marvel did for itself in Phase here, 4 here. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're a little disappointed that the show didn't catch on more because I think it's going to be kind of weird and awkward for a lot of audiences to suddenly just be like All right, who's this kid like what, what's she doing there I also am a little bit concerned about that plot description Kirsty just read because it's it don't get me wrong it's massively creative like the idea of you switching places somebody every time you use your power I feel like the the real appeal of a movie like this would be having all three of them in the same room at the same time as much as possible and I'm sure they'll get around to that eventually um but for like the I'm a little concerned about the first and second act of this movie because of that but I'm still excited to see it I love Captain Marvel. I love Miss Marvel. That makes a lot of sense. I, I'm going into it very excited about the body switching elements just because that's that's one of my favorite weird comic book tropes. You know, it's it's not this, not the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel, but other versions of Captain Marvel and the Marvel Universe have done that exact thing where Rick Jones, you know, hits his nega bands and and uh, switches with Captain Marvel. Uh, the Captain Marvel from DC Comics, Shazam, that was part of it. And I've always loved that, you know, like in Firestorm, you know, when when they merge bodies in that case and there's the glowing head next to the, <laughs> next to the character explaining what they should do. I love those sort of internal monologue argument sort of things. I love the immediate tension of uh, let me do this. No, you've got to stay back. And I'm sure... I just realized as I'm saying that, I'm sure that's going to be the climax of the movie where a character has to learn to trust the younger character. It's going to be Multiverse of Madness again. <laughs> I mean, so there's that, I suppose. Um, I just bummed myself out. But um, I, I'm excited about Nia DaCosta directing. Uh, she's got such a great visual eye. And the, I mean, Candyman, for whatever faults her Candyman had, it looked amazing it just not just the composition but uh the coloring the lighting the, the way that she moved the camera around and the big shot always against mcu movies is the visuals aren't where they should be and so hopefully i mean i know we say this always whenever a promising director takes on a project a marvel project but hopefully they let her do her thing with her visuals and um i, I hopefully we could get something really special here i'm i'm hoping for the best with this one for all the reasons everyone said thought of Nia DaCosta being turned loose with Carol's power set, like Ms. Marvel's power set, Photon's power set, like, you know what I mean? Like, plus we have, you know, like, like it looks like the, the new Ms. Marvel costume is kind of leaked. It's out there on the internet if you want to look. And that looks super sharp. And Captain Marvel has just like one of the greatest modern superhero designs, just period. And it translates so well to live action cannot wait to see what they do with photon and i'm pretty sure that's the name they're going to go with that character as well so yeah this just feels like you know how sometimes marvel tries to dress stuff up like this isn't this is not a superhero movie this is a this kind of movie is it that no this just this just sounds like wild superhero action and i cannot wait like cannot wait okay <laughs> moving on to ironheart uh, after being introduced in Wakanda Forever, the character of Riri Williams will be explored further in this D Disney Plus show. Antagonists will include Anthony Ramos as the Hood, uh, another great Marvel snap card, and possibly for real this time we swear we swear Mephisto. Uh, 
Snowpi- <laughs> Snowpi- I can't read these things, you know, having real trouble today. Uh, Snowpiercer writer Chinaka Hodge created the series for Disney Plus. No release date yet. Another one that I don't think is actually coming out this year. Uh, but that's just me. I know nothing. Um, like, it just seems to me that, like, if there's no footage yet, until I see footage, like, I don't believe that it's coming out in this calendar year. I've only read a handful of Ironheart comics. Like, uh, Dominique Thorne was amazing, I thought, in in Wakanda Forever. Like, just a great, you know, great presence. Want to see more. For me, the draw is The Hood. The original Hood limited series. Who wrote that, Joe? Was that was that Brian K. Vaughn? I think so. I, I, I'm 99% sure it was Brian K. Vaughn. I was trying to match my Brian's there. Was that was it Marcos Martin art? I'm like, I should have done my homework. I'm sorry. Anyway, go read The Hood if you haven't read The Hood. Like it was just like a four-issue Marvel Knights thing from like the early 2000s that just kind of stood on its own. And it's so good. Like the closest way I can kind of describe it is like is like it's like a supervillain origin story, but like for Peter Parker kind of, you know, so whatever they're going to do with this character in live action, I'm here for it. Um, you know, I liked Ironheart in Wakanda Forever. Bring it on. Cannot wait. See, I told you I was bringing good vibes this week. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as, as effusive in my excitement as you are, but like, I don't really see, there's nothing I can really nitpick about this. This sounds kind of fun to me. Um, it, for me, it's also just been a while since we've gotten um, some good Tony Stark-esque tech. I think we forget that what made like the mainline Iron Man movies so fun was just like the CGI little suits and how creative they were and like the arc reactor technology and they're just sleek and interesting. Um, I'm excited to see more of that. Uh, I did like this actress at Black Panther, but I, I mean, I wouldn't describe it as something that like I'm Marvel's or Ant-Man level excited about, but I think this should be a fun one. You would be excited if you read The Hood. Okay. <laughs> You would share my my enthusiasm. Who's a great character, but Mephisto, guys, nothing. I don't know how they're gonna do Mephisto in the MCU. I don't. I, I feel like so much of his shtick has been offloaded to other characters. You know that I just I, I I can't go into it with any sort of oh I'm excited for this aspect to show up in the MCU. I mean he's the devil. I mean, that's cool. But so much of the things that make him fun, I, I, I think have been borrowed. So I'm a little worried about that. Last we heard that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to be. That does not up my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're a Borat fan, perhaps it might. Um, next on the list is the Agatha spin-off series, which seems to change its title or subtitle every week at the moment. So I'm not even going to read it. Agatha was in a bit of a tight spot when we saw her last in one division with seemingly no way out for her alter ego, Agnes of Westview. Uh, but Marvel's Agatha series is now filming for phase five and we'll be seeing a lot more of her in it. Uh, many of her fellow Westview residents will also return and the one and only Aubrey, Pla- Aubrey Plaza will be in the cast, hopefully as a naughty witch or else what are we even doing here? No release date yet, but I expect this to be early 2024. You guys remember how in the first Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum was so cool, and then they made him the lead in the second one, and he was terrible? <laughs> I I can't help but think that's kind of what's happening here. I, I don't know 
why we need an Agatha series. I hope it's good, but I can't I can't see that version of the character. I mean, I can't see the Marvel comic character leading a, a, a show either, but I can't see this version of the character as much as I love Catherine Hahn and who can do anything. I don't think it's going to be on her, but I can't see this version of the character being an interesting lead for a series. So this is the one I'm most skeptical about. Aubrey Plaza though, Joe. Oh, she's great. She's one of the best uh, working actresses. And every year she shows up in a movie that totally blows me away with what she can bring. So yeah, no, I'm excited about that. But it's not the actors, not the cast that I'm worried about. It's what they've shown of this character. I mean, do we know who the creative team is yet? I I, I don't know if we know that yet, but that's, that's where it's going to live or die, I guess, with my excitement. I mean, everybody loves a good spinoff. Like, there's nothing inherently bad about a spinoff. Um, I just don't really see why Marvel feels that it's in the stage of its lifespan where it needs to, like, do spinoffs of spinoffs already. <laughs> like, I mean, like, Wanda was, like, a tertiary character in the MCU, and they pulled off a miracle and got her her great own show and Vision. Um, it just feels like tempting fate to dig even deeper. It's like Inception. It's like like Marvel character Inception. Like they're getting deeper and deeper, and just like into their uh, own supporting character uh, roster. Yeah, I mean, again, no, like you, Joe, no one's a bigger fan of uh, Cleveland, Ohio's own Catherine Hahn than myself. Aubrey Plaza is maybe the most sexual person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> like, like straight male audiences <laughs> um, like there's plenty of stuff to like with these uh, with these casting announcements in the show i just you know i think we're di- we're digging a little deep already i would i would pull back a bit and i'm with you it's about time somebody pays attention to the straight male audience i feel like we've been ignored yeah, like, you know. <laughs> Um, I hate to be the third dude in a row um, being like, I don't know about this one, like about a female led show, but I promise my concerns are purely like structural hope to be wrong. What I really hope though, is that this show, maybe this can fill some of the gaps that I wish that Dr. Strange would fill in the MCU. I want this show, like, yes, of course it needs to showcase, like, all of the great things that Catherine Hahn can do. But I, what I really want is for it to be eerie. Like, I want it to have atmosphere and be a little bit creepy, you know? Like, if we're going to go down this route, give me something that I've been asking for from Doctor Strange that we got a little bit of in Multiverse of Madness. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, the, the spin off, we're into spin offs and spin offs now. And I do think that's dangerous ground. And I do worry that, you know, civilians are going to kind of look at this and just be like, wait, what? Like, why? Like, I don't understand this. But if the theme tune is good, a lot of sins can be forgiven. I gotta say, I can't believe you guys are so down on this already. This is um, this is from One Division creator Jack Schaefer. She is behind this one too, uh, which means she's already dealt with this character like before and made her a success. And I can't imagine she would have signed on for a spinoff if she didn't know where she was going to take it. I'm hyped. I think this could be, you know, a dark horse in terms of the, the the phase five Disney plus series. I think this will be really good. That's my prediction. I'm willing to be wrong, but I'm going to be the one person here who is 
genuinely excited. <laughs> what you just described is exactly how I felt about going into Thor Love and Thunder. Like, <laughs> Taika Waititi like nailed these characters before and like obviously he's charged up for more. Like we're going to see everybody at their absolute peak of their powers. And was she involved with Free Guy before this? Because if not, then I think that's a Mark and Jack Shapers. I just, I just hate that I actually allowed myself to throw side eye at a show that there is like literally no information other than a handful of castings because even the title is not finalized and i'm here going i don't know it's like a chick show to me like such a jerk if this you is don't be, like sure you don't want to talk about aubrey plaza <laughs> yeah I, you know kirsty is probably kirsty's take is probably correct yeah <laughs> Like, We're talking about if, this show like philosophically more than what it actually is. <laughs> Last week, we crowned WandaVision the best thing about MCU <laughs> Phase 4. And here we, like, what are we, what are we even doing? I, re, I recant my previous comments. Like, I want it all stricken from the record. We'll fix it in post. I'm pretty sure. And I'm literally looking up now to check. But didn't Jack Schaefer also write Black Widow? Or, yes, it was her story. Mm. So, and last week we were saying that that was a massively underrated MCU face for me. I was wrong. I take it all back. I was wrong. You all heard it here first. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on to the next thing. Uh, We've talked about this before on an episode, so we'll probably clip through this quite quickly, I would think. Uh, Daredevil born again. Daredevil's back again for a massive series on Disney Plus featuring Charlie Cox that probably won't adapt the Born Again comics because the Netflix Netflix series already kind of did that. Um, no doubt Kingpin will reemerge for this one. Filming is set to get underway imminently. So in the next few weeks, I think. Uh, this will either debut late 2024 or early 25 uh, if they push stuff around. Either way, it'll occupy months of our time because it will be 18 episodes long. I want this to be 36 episodes long. <laughs> I want this to be a procedural, Alec. <laughs> like, if they, this is probably the thing that I am most excited about. Yes, the Netflix series had some ups and downs, but I'm very curious about what the new tone is going to be like. I'm very curious to see what stories they go for, but mostly they're going to shoot this in New York City like they should. Want to remind everybody that I am coming to you live from Hell's Kitchen in Manhattan. By the way, that is the location of the Denny Geek Studio, and I just, I just feel like this is probably the 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 Disney Plus project with the most breakthrough appeal, and the one that's had the most buzz on it from the minute it started. So, yeah, spring twenty twenty four cannot get here fast enough for me. I can't believe you just doxed us. I, yeah, in interest of brevity, I won't really add anything else. I'm, I am excited like you that they're treating this like a pop, proper TV show, like 18 episodes. Uh, I am ready for longer TV shows to kind of come back into my life, ideally if they're procedural as well. Yeah, and I'll just use it to say, yes, all very excited. Um, Brian Michael Bendis' Daredevil run is excellent. Yes. Alec, okay. So <laughs> to counteract the shade we were throwing at Bendis earlier in the show, Bendis's Daredevil run is one of his masterpieces. That and Alias, which became, you know, which is really Jessica Jones, like were published around the same time and were 
legit revolutionary and they're fantastic. They are very much the basis for those Netflix shows in terms of tone and story and everything else. They are so good. Like everybody, if you are not a comics reader and you dug the Daredevil show, yes, of course you need to read the Frank Miller stuff, but read those Bendis comics, the dialogue, the pacing, like reading those as they were coming out. I was like, this is an HBO show. And we got pretty close to that with Netflix. So yes, all apologies to the shade we threw at his Avengers work <laughs> earlier. What a redemption arc for old BNB <laughs> on Marvel's In one episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Captain America, New World Order. Uh, Falcon and Wind Soldier creator Malcolm Spellman is back on writing duties for Captain America, New World Order. And Nigerian filmmaker and Cloverfield Paradox director Julius Ona is helming this one. Uh, this film is a sequel to, deep breath, uh, The Incredible Hulk, the first Avenger, the Winter Soldier, Civil War, and the Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, with Tim Blake Nelson back as leader and Harrison Ford taking over from the late William Hurt as Sadius Ross. Uh, we can expect this to set up Phase 5 Kappa Thunderbolts with its geopolitical whatnots. There is no way that Harrison Ford as Red Hulk is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even imagine what that looks like? I'm, I'm, I'm... Uh, astounded by the way that this guy is talking about the CG uh, de-aging that he has for the next Indiana Jones. Can you picture him in one of those skin tight suits with all the little dots around him? I mean, I know Red Hulk is supposed to be grouchy and he will be grouchy, but I cannot see him being interested in that at all. That's my biggest worry. And if I'm honest, the biggest thing I want to see in this movie. I, I love uh, Anthony Mackie as Captain America. I, I, I want to see more of him. Uh, I, I want Tim Blake Nelson and everything and I'm excited to see him be my favorite Marvel snap card, the leader. All of that is great, but... The, what in the world is Red Hawk going to be? I just, I can't imagine. <laughs> Are we sure he's actually going to do the whole Red Hawk thing in this? Is that really no. a thing? No. We, we don't? We don't know that for sure? I mean, I that makes me feel so much better, but <laughs> I've only heard, no, he's going to be Thunderbolt Ross and he's going to be Red Hulk. It's not, I mean, obviously, uh, Thunderbolt Ross has a huge history outside of Red Hulk, but the fact that those two are just kind of mentioned together, it seems like a nightmare, hopefully a wonderful nightmare, and I hope, I mean, maybe you guys are right, I don't know. The important thing is that it hasn't happened yet, <laughs> so we can't live in fear, Joe. He may not do. turn to Red Hulk. <laughs> How else am I supposed to live then? The last phase four project we got there, uh, the one that the true nerds have been waiting for, Thunderbolts. We'll see former antagonists like Yelena Belova, a Wind Soldier, Red Guardian, Taskmaster, and US agent team up to tackle a deadly threat. The team will be spearheaded by CIA director Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, aka the ex Mrs. Everett Ross who's been collecting abandoned people with very special skill sets since the post-credits scene of Black Widow. It will be released next summer, probably. Even though Born Again is probably my single favorite, like my single most anticipated project on this schedule overall, the one-two punch of Captain America New World Order into Thunderbolts is so intriguing to me. That's my favorite corner of the MCU like, we're going to go from weird 80s Captain America comic weirdness in, in New World Order into Thunderbolt stuff, which I have not read a lot of Thunderbolts comics, folks. 
I feel we're getting into a real sweet spot with the MCU at that point in the calendar. That just sounds like two proper action movie blockbuster type movies. And Thunderbolts just has such a weird hook to it. You know, like it's easy to pitch this as Marvel Suicide Squad and it's really not. I'm intrigued by it. I mean, again, knowing per usual, knowing nothing, even though you literally five seconds ago said it's not Marvel Suicide Squad, <laughs> I still kind of like the Marvel Suicide Squad <laughs> angle, at least that I built in my head. I like the personnel that they have in there, even though somebody on Twitter who, again, this happens all the time. I read a tweet take on Twitter. I think it's genius. I can never remember who came up with it, so I can't credit you, but this is not my original take. It's out there. Somebody find it. Uh, pointed out how non-complimentary all of their abilities are. Like they're all just kind of, most of them are in the super soldier stratum, um, which I feel like does not make for a very visually diverse or interesting um, power set to operate with in a movie. But that inside, I like I like how their personalities clash. Uh, I think there's definitely some potential here. And I like its positioning as the end of phase five, as in not quite like an Avengers level hammer but like, I don't know, an ellipses of sorts, of sorts. It's like, this is a sort of ending to a grand phase, but we know we have more to go. I know you say that you don't read the comics, Alec, but Hammer is very associated with the Thunderbolts and the comics. So maybe you're playing us on another level. Well done. <laughs> All an elaborate ruse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm excited about it for all those reasons that you guys mentioned. Um, the thing I've mentioned this before that I'm most excited is about this is that it's going to separate the Avengers from the American government because the the Avengers that we get in the in the the movies have been very much influenced by the Ultimate line, which the Ultimate Avengers called the Ultimates are very much a critique of Bush era politics, and that doesn't. It didn't really work then. It doesn't work now. Is and so this is that's kind of closer to what the Thunderbolts are going to be. Our America's Avengers. So I'm excited for that. I, I agree totally with the, the the thoughts on the lineup. I mean, you, I cannot complain about more Florence Pugh or uh, David Harbor or uh, Wyatt Russell and Sebastian Stan's there to play a wet paper bag. If you're excited about that, so some wow. more charismatic wow. people to bounce off. Yeah, be good. That's fine. <laughs> He's so boring. In Ouch. In the MCU. Yes, clearly you haven't seen the Rennie Harlan masterpiece, The Covenant, Joe. <laughs> not I mean, you, do we really need to say masterpiece after the words Rennie Harlan? Yes. <laughs> no, I have not. But. Well, then you would know that he delivers the line, I'm going to make you my weotch. Very convincing. <laughs> no, no. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I sit corrected. I will never it's about the man's male, name again. It's about male witches. It's directed by Rennie Harlan and it's about 73 minutes long. I urge you to rent it. <laughs> ASAP. Is it trash? Yes, of course. <laughs> I think that's it. We've just got them. Blade was supposed to be in phase five, but now it doesn't look like it's going to be in phase five. It's had some issues changing director and production has been kicked down the road. So I'm not sure that's going to make it into phase five now. Uh, we also got the animated series. There's What If Season 2, Spider-Man Freshman Year, Marvel Zombies. Uh, I'm not sure those are coming out this year. Um, animation does take a long time, unless you're doing it kind of the... 
uh, Netflix, you know, production line style, <laughs> um, it does take a while to do. So I think that they will probably not be this year, but uh, X-Men 97 might be this year. What do you think, Mike? Hope so. I'm fiending for that. And uh, I started uh, an X-Men animated series rewatch recently, and it's so good. It's just so good. <laughs> Is it really? I have not gone back and rewatched them since, you know, they first aired. So it's really good. Like okay. it's, you know, like, it, it, you know, it's exactly how you remember it in a lot of ways. But in terms of presenting the X-Men and mutants in general, as a like coherent thing that fans can actually like absorb and understand <laughs> it's, it's just never going to be done better than that. Like it's, it's, it's just great. Like the fact that it was like, we are going to take the X-Men as they exist in the, you know, in the early 1990s with the sprawling characters and weirdness and everything else and manage to just introduce all of this in a way that makes sense to everybody can't do it better just can't i cannot imagine a new x-men movie could do it any better than this animated series did i cannot wait that's it that's it it's like the ending of ferris bueller like the post credits <laughs> go home <laughs> what are you still doing here <laughs> i thought that was the ending of deadpool 2 <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> i to speak in marvel <laughs> thanks for tuning in everybody let us know on our social accounts what mcu phase five project you are most looking forward to we are at marvel standom on twitter and instagram make sure you follow those you can also tell us what you want us to cover in upcoming episodes there and don't forget hit that follow button on youtube if that's where you're watching us if you're watching on twitch that's where you can follow us there uh we are available on all major podcast platforms please like, subscribe, do all of the things. Also have a DC show. Check out DC Stand-Up when you can on all major podcast platforms. We also have Talking Strange, our supernatural show, which is back to weekly episodes as well. And there's really, really cool stuff coming up there with our brilliant host, Aaron Sagers. If you came in late today, you'll be able to watch this entire episode on DenverGeek.com or at our YouTube home of Denver Geek US. You can check out past episodes there as well if you're not sick of me after this long episode. Check out all of our amazing Marvel coverage at dennygeek.com slash Marvel. Thank you, as usual, to Andrew Halley, the best producer in any corner of the multiverse. And our usual special shout-out to Michael R. for making the podcast version of this show all it can be. Most of all, thank you all for watching, listening, following, subscribing, putting up with my nonsense. This has been Marvel Standom on the Denny Geek Network. Until next time, remember folks, we stand together. <laughs> <laughs>